Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You're tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Hey there, Doctor Who fans! I'm really excited. I hope you're in a good place because we're about to go on a really huge mind trip (laughs) as we delve into the Doctor Who Classics episode, The Mind Robber, here at AfterBuzz TV. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, and joining me on tonight's fantastic panel, Megan Salinas and Katie Cullen. Hi, all my buddies. I don't know why I'm going to sports announcer all of a sudden, but... (laughs) I'm just gonna embrace it. Oh, it just jazzes me up entirely. Oh yeah. Uh, um, I'm gonna get rid of this. Careful, you might become a fictional. I know. Announcer. I know. Um, you, I can't describe myself. Or and <laughs> um, suddenly Zach Wilson. <laughs> this, this was. Uh, let's just dive right into it. I really enjoyed this episode. It was trippy and weird in all the best ways. <laughs> I feel like in, again, with most of the episodes that we cover, the first episode of this story was just kind of odd and useless, and the rest of it was amazing. Oh, I it disagree. Was like I liked it. It crossover fan fiction battle royale. It was awesome. I actually liked all of them. I didn't really have a problem with the first episode. Like, I... I mean, it wasn't too... You know, it didn't take too long to kind of pick up on what was going on and everything like that. And then once you do realize what's happening, you're like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was fun. I mean, it started out like, what what is happening? Like, we're watching, like, all right, it's the late 60s. Somebody's on acid. <laughs> no judgment. Just what somebody? I mean, All of the somebody. admittedly, Doctor Who kind of begs that that may have been a thing a lot of the time, <laughs> but no more so than the beginning, especially the first two episodes of this story. But I love the idea of, of what I will just refer to from here on out as the fiction verse. Uh, <laughs> no, it's cool. I I was initially disappointed that it wasn't the master that we initially thought. Yeah, it was. we we knew that there was a character in this one called the master, and I didn't think I, I'm trying not to look ahead before I had a chance because to watch. Spoilers. All I yeah. knew was there's a master in that episode. I figured it must be the master that we know, and we all got excited, and and then it wasn't. But, it was just the author, but. I really liked this character, regardless of the naming con- like confusion. This was a good character. It was a good story. Um, I liked the world and the concept. This is like the most meta Doctor <laughs> Who episode ever. 
Um, because you've got, like, the big thing, the big theme throughout this is the idea, you've got a fictional world within a fictional world. Um, (laughs) Because why not? Yeah, because I guess when you when you open up trapped in lava (laughs) and you have to just like phase the TARDIS out, you don't know where you're going to wind up. Itself, Um, yeah, and you wind up in. Well, I guess this is the the argument that I've seen some people debate back and forth, and I think it's a reasonable argument. So I want to see what you guys think. Um, Was it was any of it real? Good question. That is an ex. You know, I actually hadn't even considered that. I was just taking everything at face value. That is a very excellent question. I think it was, but it kind of begs the question of how all of this came about because it was just its own little separate world, and we don't know where it came from. We don't know why it was there, and we and it kind of you know we presumably it like kind of collapsed in on itself and was destroyed but that's just kind of what it is whenever you have a story with its own little kind of universe like that like any given neil gaiman story like Coraline, i just kind of assume okay it's a world and what's going on there is real and it's just separate from our own i'm gonna go with yes because there's no reason for it not to be because the show itself doesn't have that unreliable narrator aspect. And the is it real or not question tends to come hand in hand with, well, can we trust the person telling the story? Was it all a dream? Well, yeah, and Doctor (laughs) Who goes completely beyond that because there isn't necessarily one single person telling the story. We've got a third-person omniscient view. So that removes the unreliable narrator idea, and therefore there's really no reason... For it to be all a dream. That being said, though, you do, you before you really understand what's going on, you are asking yourself that question a lot because you don't quite know what's happening as the master is manipulating everything and you don't know why the world is changing. Oh, yeah, what the heck is this was something I was saying <laughs> a lot while I was watching before it was like, oh, crossover fan fiction world. I've seen people do this right not to interrupt but when when I get a ch- when we get a chance I do want to ask what characters you guys would want to we'll save that for the end hilarious. that's gonna be a fun game to play I'm really excited you brought that up oh, um, but in my well it, especially because what I was about to say in my mind um, what's happening here is this is this episode has bent the realm, like the world, the reality of the Doctor Who world, and and the real world that we live in, and I, in the way I'm sort of approaching this uh, in after effect is that this episode takes place within the writer's mind, not the writer that we see, the, the master, but the, the writer, writer yes, the show. The, sh- the show writers. It takes place in their mind. Do you ever see um, the Never Ending Story? By any chance, yeah. I, I there were a couple moments watching these episodes where I got a very end of the never ending story vibe to it. I'm like, I see what you're doing, TV <laughs> show. Well, and there's this. I've seen this trope actually in the uh, animated Justice League series in the late '90s, early 2000s, where they had a couple episodes where they wind up in an alternate dimension, and it's all of these heroes that they knew from comic books in their world. And it turned out that this uh, that the person who had been writing those comic books, for some reason, had a window into this other dimension and was watching what these characters were doing, 
and then writing it down and selling it as comic books in their dimension. And then when an apocalyptic event happened in the other dimension, the comic book stopped in ours. So what's to say that we don't have the multiverse and that the Doctor just took a step sideways into one that was aware of the other multiverses and able to tap from them? Yeah. Well, yeah, especially because we just, you know, picked up poor some poor random guy got kidnapped, and you know, it's yeah. into his I guess, imagination. I guess why tapped. why I latch on to that idea, like one, it just is like exactly where I feel like if you're tripping on acid and writing <laughs> yeah. an episode of science fiction, where like, your mind all of a sudden that's Dr. where my Who mind being John Malkovich, yeah, that's where my mind goes. That the char- oh, the characters are in my head, man. What are they <laughs> doing up there? And like, what does my brain do when the characters are invading my head? They're being traced. <laughs> Because they call him a traitor. And I think that that's a very interesting point. Um, that, like, as if he belongs there. Because you're not a traitor if you're an outsider. Then you're an invader. Mm-hmm. Um, a traitor it, is somebody from within. But, it, yeah, it's as a, as one of your own characters, one of your own creations, quote-unquote, you should do what I say. If you don't do what I say, then you're betraying me. That's yeah. how this works. But, but like, I all say that, and I'll just jump to the... the, the obvious quote, um, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's not real. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Dropping some Harry Potter quotes in here. (laughs) Um, But I think it's a a fun game to play of like what, when you step outside the universe and the Doctor acknowledges that they've stepped outside and then the TARDIS blows up, and then what from that point is Real, all the monsters they're fighting, he admits like they're not real. Yeah, Medusa, multiverse theory, that random comic <laughs> yeah. book character, the Minotaur. Well, this all I gets love the carcass. <laughs> I do, I do. He was great. <laughs> and continuing to pull into my writer's mind theory um, on it, it's just all these things, um, all the, from classic literature that are living up in the in the guy's mind, um, and then like a fiction, a fake character. Um, the superhero, the carcass, who's not like a real comic strip, but is an idea that he just had. Um, and it gets attached to one of his other characters in the form of Zoe. <laughs> well, it wasn't a real comic strip. It isn't now that we've passed the year 2000 and it's not a thing. But it's the speculative side of speculative fiction. This is what fiction's going to be in the year 2000. So he is a fictional character. We just haven't gotten there yet. Exactly. It's a fictional character that was created by the writer that never was actually put down on paper, but that it was up in the writer's head. Where it lives. (laughs) What if the writer was living in the year 2000 and the carcass did exist in his dimension? But that means he traveled back to 1968 to write an episode of Doctor Who, and now we're confused. (laughs) Which which writer are we talking about? The writer of the episode or the writer that was kidnapped from some point in time? When I say writer, I'm referring to my crazy theory, like the writer of the episode, my insane theory. I'll refer to the master as the master. Okay. I do really like the idea that, like, this was a dream that the writer had, and he was just like, whoa, I gotta write that down. <laughs> <laughs> it just, this is how crossover fan fiction gets started. Wouldn't it be great if this character interacted with this character? Yeah. Holy cow, let's do it. But normally in fan fiction, they're allowed to say stuff outside of their given dialogue. I felt really bad for Gulliver. <laughs> oh, I noticed that he was the only one that was stuck with that. I'm pretty Pretty sure Rapunzel never made cracks about, oh, people do it all the time. Oh, it's a pity you're not actually a prince. I'm looking for a prince and I'm supposed to marry one. I'm Maybe not in the sure. version you read. <laughs> 
tangled, maybe. <laughs> but it seems like Gulliver was the only one stuck with that, and everyone else was just kind of do whatever, say whatever, have Probably a good time. Because there's really only one version of Gulliver. A lot of those other tales, there are lots of different variations of those True. tales. Jack Black didn't show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I hear that one was awful. Was um, he alive at that point? It, 1968? No. <laughs> was he? I don't know. How old was he? Doesn't you? matter <laughs> either <laughs> way. Off topic. Um, Point being. But I guess, like, what did you guys think about how all the characters sort of blended in? How, or rather, how Jamie and Zoe dealt with the characters? Uh, well, since this was the first time we had seen Zoe, yeah. um, it was fun kind of getting to know her. I, I like how spunky she is. Um, yeah, for I, anyone I, for anyone that uh, has been watching along with us and just like is limited to the availability of what's on Hulu and Netflix and such, um, Zoe was a, picked her up on a moon base in the year 2000. So where's Victoria? She um she kind of retired from traveling. She I think she settled <laughs> no, down out <laughs> with um somebody. I don't remember if she got married or but she definitely settled down. It was it wasn't that she wasn't a good fit with Jamie and the doctor. It's just I think traveling was wearing on her a bit. Yeah, yeah I mean you know it's the we're used to companions nowadays like rotating out fairly regularly, but to uh, Jamie is like in for the long haul. Everybody <laughs> loves this dude in a kilt. Which made it even more jarring when he disappeared for an episode. And when he had a different uh, face. Yeah. I wonder if there was something going on with the He had the chicken pox. Oh! <laughs> so they're just like, we're going to make a cardboard cut out of you and then have the doctor put on the wrong face and then cast another guy for one episode and, no, seriously, it'll be great. Yeah. I did. Well, it's, it's the kind of thing that... It it's, worked. It's the brilliant stuff that comes of... Just random production things. Like, yeah, uh, creativity is born out of necessity. Um, You can't predict when your actor is suddenly going to get ill, but you have to keep shooting. Nowadays, they just postpone and, like, pick up time on the back end with Mm -hmm. post. We'll fix it in post. Uh, Which is (laughs) sort of what they did here. (laughs) Um, The cardboard cutout. But it was such a... It it added to the, like, bizarreness of this fiction verse of this world that we've built in where you have to rebuild people's faces. It made the master so much more manipulative. Yeah, and it does leave you asking questions about again, how much of this is real? Is that really Jamie, even though we rearranged his face a little? Like, is that still him? Or is this like a separate creation that happens to be a character? I do love that I think it cemented that it was Jamie when he had the what happened to my face reaction. <laughs> he just gone on like, this has always been my face. That would have been really weird and more suspicious than usual but for this no, place. And I did love the doctor's reaction, like, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> you're fine, you're fine. You're good, you're good, it's cool, it happens all the time. I did it once. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But I really did enjoy the the playing between, especially once we get the reveal of the big brain. Yes. um, That the master is like just caught in the web of of what I what I think of as the writer. But the that like I love like the ticker tape like uh, like where Jamie's just like reading the story. (laughs) Error, error, error. What? (laughs) 
Yeah, and like uh, it was really cool too to see like things getting written out, and then the doctor doesn't do that, and the, so they're like, "Okay, we got to change it up." <laughs> He's not listening to the script. Fine. <laughs> He's improvising again. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I guess the, the interesting idea of the Doctor being brought in to run this whole fiction world um, is very interesting because we think of the Doctor as this just, like, hero. Like, he very much is a fairy tale. Um, especially, it like, when we blend the idea of the Master, who was a children's fiction writer and the doctor is a children's fiction character true so they you could almost see that like maybe maybe i've got it maybe i've got it a step wrong maybe this guy maybe the the master created the doctor in some (laughs) bizarre way that's an interesting way of looking at it I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> no, I think we've hit that point where the theory has folded in on itself so many times it's imploded. Well, I also kind of like the idea just talking about that comparison of the Doctor being a children's character who has literally run away. You know, for, like the writer almost has no control over this character anymore. Like he's just kind of doing what whatever he wants to do and the writer just has to try to keep up with that. That's kind of <laughs> an interesting thought. Honestly, if you write a lot, that's what happens. You create a character, you expect him to follow this outline, and suddenly it's like, what are you doing over there? (laughs) Why are you talking to that person? That person's not okay, and now that person is important. Great. Now I have another character to fit in. Now why are you over... You're supposed to be friends (laughs) with that person, and you're picking a... Follow the outline! (laughs) Well, it happened... I've done Nano for three years. This happens... All the time. It, I mean, it happens, but like when you're writing and you have a character and you figure, you determine, you build the character, you build their motivations and what they, what their wants and desires are, and sometimes that doesn't necessarily fit with the circumstances that you're building around. Um, and much that's the, where the doctor finds himself. He finds himself trapped in this. He's writing a story. He's trying to write himself out of a jam, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I am uh, in a terrible piece of fan fiction, and I need to get away <laughs> from it. <laughs> yeah, there's toy soldiers and a weird superhero from the future, and, and with Ma- impossible technology, and, and Medusa's Gulliver, hang- who's Gulliver's- incredibly helpful and good looking. Gulliver's and- hanging out with Rapunzel, and what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Gulliver and Rapunzel would get along really well. You know. I mean, she's a regular sized person. I think he'd be happy with that. Whereas the carcass was a slab of highly functional meat. <laughs> Let's be real. How great he was it to no see so, uh, Zoe wrestle him, by the way? Yes! <laughs> that was, you know, at first I was worried that Zoe was going to just get like into this like damsel in distress thing, but she just tosses that guy. <laughs> yeah. Leverage. Was, while the doctor is kind of like, I don't know what's happening right now. Leverage and a lower center of gravity. It is really easy for a girl to throw a guy. Just <laughs> Well, I, I did just speaking to that moment, Megan, um, where the doctor sort of freezes like it reverses where he's like God, just don't it doesn't exist. The unicorn does not exist. <laughs> just say it doesn't exist and it can't hurt you. Um it's like Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't believe in fairies. Uh, <laughs> don't clap. <laughs> if, you, if you don't believe, don't clap. You know. <laughs> But um, but then the doctor's confronted with a character he's not familiar with, and he can't convince himself that it's not real because he knows nothing about yeah, it. Because yeah, because he doesn't know that it's fake. For all he knows, it does exist in this realm. 
because uh, he's still trying to differentiate between what's real and what's not. I'm just really glad it wasn't the unicorn from Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> that, was, that was a mean he unicorn. He want to talk about crossover fan fiction yeah. going wrong. <laughs> but no, you're, I, I really liked that. And so, especially with earlier, he had to convince, you know, Jamie and Zoe, you know, like, just say it's not real. And and that's when Zoe, when he can't say that himself, that's when Zoe has to step up. And I miss Victoria. I'm not, like, I'd be yeah. lying if I said I, I that I didn't miss her. But I do like Zoe, and I like what she brings to the table with this trio. Yes. yes. It's, it's fun. I mean, really, the, it's, the Doctor and Jamie have a great dynamic in a way that we haven't in, in modern run. We've never had with a male companion. Like Rory was like the most, the most forefront male companion that we've had. He was also he, the tin dog. I mean, yeah, Rory. Well, well, that oh was, wow, no, I mixed up my names. Thinking I'm thinking of Mickey. <laughs> wow. No, Rory. Amy's <laughs> Rory. Um, but Rory would. He very much existed through in the TARDIS through Amy. He yeah. was never going to travel with the Doctor on his own. And, it, you know, it makes me think, I wonder if we're going to go back there at all, where you have a male companion with the Doctor. I know that... The, I love having the female companions, but it is just something that's interesting about the dynamic difference between the, these early years, where it was they were very settled on at least one and one. There had to be two. There were almost yeah. always two companions, and there was almost always a guy and a girl, and then the doctor. And I, we didn't feel the need to throw them together. Yeah, I kind of like the idea of a trio with none of them. You know, as much as we like shipping and everything like that, I kind of like a, the idea of a trio that's not romantically involved in any yeah. way. In any direction. Yeah. <laughs> never. It will never happen. <laughs> modern run I don't think right now because just kind of the way television is going right now and Doctor Who though it used you know it was primarily for kids back in the day and families it's skewing a little bit more now towards a teenage audience it, it's it is still camping the way the way that family you, show yeah but. the way that you could describe Doctor Who right now is you would refer to as a family show in that it is applicable to an entire family an adult can watch it a kid can watch it there's like maybe some episodes that younger audiences won't you won't you won't want to show like a five year old episodes yeah. where people are dying depending on how sensitive they are. So you mean but, most of New Who nowadays? But, but it is a family show, like for everyone from the ages of eight to eighty. Like everyone can watch it. That's the idea. Um, it's not a children's show exclusively. Um, you disagree, Katie? I disagree, but that's neither here nor there for this particular panel. We're talking about classic. Okay. Yep. All right. Um, You don't need me going on for the next ten minutes. (laughs) Well, anyway, um, but I do want to talk about like a a lot of the comparisons that we sort of find in this episode. Um, I thought that the the biggest uh, similar episode um, to me that I instantly thought of was Amy's Choice, which is the Dream Lord episode where we've got the dual um, dreams, like which is which reality is real? Is it Amy and Rory living in? Some, like ur- some, like rural London or rural England, or is it them trapped in a freezing TARDIS at the near the heart of a cold sun? Um, and it's very it, it's very trippy, the same way that this is. And you can see Moffat's influence coming from this episode. 
Yeah, um, it's it's always interesting when when you know our crew in the TARDIS is seeing things that you you can't tell are real. I I think of the, um, the Doctor's wife actually when it comes to like seeing things in the TARDIS in the TARDIS itself that aren't quite real. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one that I think of. But yeah, it's it's always interesting when it's like I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know what's real. And that well, the Doctor's wife is another episode where we stepped outside of our universe. Um, which is, but that was a totally different way of doing it. Um, because that was like this, it was a bubble universe, um, or a pocket universe, however you just choose Again, to describe it. Again, Neil Gaiman with his, uh, with pocket his separate universe. Yeah, pocket dimension. 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 You're right. It was the wrong word. Um, but, uh, that one, but it felt very much like reality. Mm-hmm. There were no, like, there was a few different rules in that, like, they were living on, like, a, a being, um, but it was a st- it wasn't like the rules of reality weren't completely bent the same way that this is like everything's changed like fiction is reality and reality is potentially fiction different dimension different yeah. dimensions have different rules some are similar to the rules we know and some are just like are you sure that's how it works boy they didn't do it like that back home and that's what I love, and that's like what doctor who can do more so i think the classic sort of took these swings in a way that modern who doesn't always do i think partially because fans are a little bit more discerning about the rules of like that, that like the pre-established rules that have been co- like for 50 years we've been setting up rules that the doctor <laughs> has to live in and now fans have the resources on a computer to be like well in the 1975 episode <laughs> that it, it clearly contradicts what you're doing now um, not that Stephen Moffat has much care for <laughs> uh, paradoxes wibbly wobbly yeah, exactly, you get a exactly. paradox you get a paradox but that's supposed to be the, but I think that that's sort of the fun of Doctor Who and why this episode works that it doesn't matter it doesn't matter yeah. if the something is a paradox as long as it's a good story and it's fun. You know what I kind of thought of when when I got when this episode wrapped up and everything like that? To me, it kind of felt like the TARDIS literally stepped into the Twilight Zone. Yes! And um, and the Master reminded me a lot of, there was a Twilight Zone episode where a kid could manipulate reality. And he mm. <laughs> I'll so send you to the corn children field. of the corn, yeah. <laughs> well, eh, that's a different thing. But uh, but that's what it reminded me of. Um, just the the idea that there's somebody who can manipulate the world around you, and again, you don't know what's real and what's not. Yeah. Um, well, it just uh, again to my theory of like they're with they're inside of the writer's head. <laughs> that's the alternate dimension that they're in. Um, there's one moment, and like there was an article that I was reading about the episode, and it's early on, and I think it was a production mistake uh, more than anything else. But one of the monitors, like the screens that they're looking at when they're scanning, like the area, apparently you can see the end credits of Doctor Who <laughs> on the monitor. Oops. <laughs> um, and you could argue maybe it was an accident. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe that was the intention to be like, they are in a weird place where <laughs> Doctor Who, the TV show, is on the TARDIS's TV screens. <laughs> Can we talk about how easy it was to make uh, Jamie and Zoe fictional characters by literally shutting them in a giant book? (laughs) (laughs) That was just like, really? (laughs) Okay, guys, let's let's roll with that. (laughs) I thought it was funny. Definitely one of those. 
are you serious <laughs> moments. Well, but again, we're in a fiction verse. Ah. We're in a world where whatever you needed to represent them becoming fictionalized, that was what their if you if basically uh, you could argue that their brains were projecting what they imagined to be their like their thought is I am being cr- turned into a fictional character. What does that manifest as? How does that danger become real? A book closes on me. <laughs> you could say they uh, closed the book on that one. <sighs> Boom. Oh, come uh, on. You walked right into that. Uh, come on. <laughs> I needed at least one. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. <laughs> one, I mean, there, there's the some. The can sound has more energy than you. Guys. One more like modern fan sort of look at this that like feeds my crazy inside the writer's head theory. Um, the master mentions that he, I think it was the master that he created a character called Captain Jack Harkaway. Yes, I about lost it at that point. I actually wasn't even thinking about that, but oh my gosh, I love it. That seems a little forward thinking for the 1950s, don't you? No, think? it's totally like a. It, but but I I bet I'll bet you anything that somebody said. I can't. I don't know if this is true. I haven't. I didn't do my research on this specific detail. But I, uh, I th- was it Moff? Is Moffat credited with creating Harkness? Because no, he was writing he was at that writing point. The episodes they hand him the character and said he's going to be introduced in this episode go okay. so Moffat didn't create him he wrote the episodes that introduced him but so, he was a Davies creation okay Got which it. is why Davies ran with Torchwood Got because it. these are his original characters do not steal and he wants to write his own fan <laughs> well, fiction over here whoever it was in the room that came, that named Captain Jack Harkness um, I have to think that there's because these are the people that know Doctor Who better than anyone. Oh, yeah. Somebody had Absolutely. to like have been like in the mind robber. <laughs> <laughs> there's Captain Jack Harkaway, and maybe that's like uh, maybe they didn't want to be like too direct with it. Mm-hmm. Well, and they may not have even been thinking. So in this particular episode, this particular thing was it may have just been something that was stuck in their brain because they saw the episode once when they were fifteen. Yeah, and it, then the and name it was comes just out. something that like buried in the you know in the back of their subconscious, and all of a sudden they're like character name uh, Captain Jack Harkness. That that has a good ring to it. Yeah. So yeah. who, knows? <laughs> I, who I, knows? I like both ideas. I like I like both. I like the idea that it's an intentional reference, and I like the idea that it was it was something that was planted in the back of their mind yeah. without them knowing. Or, the writer or, <laughs> or they legitimately tried to name him Captain Jack Harkaway, and there was some legal stuff where they're like <laughs> like clearance didn't come through. Like there's an actual guy named Captain Jack Harkaway. We oh. can't name him. Or they figured that Harkaway wasn't a modern enough name, but Harkness. <laughs> Has a better ring to it. It definitely has a more intenseness to it. <laughs> That's the rebooted version. Yeah. <laughs> the same continuity, Megan. <laughs> um, do you guys have any other it's thoughts on uh, on Doctor on this episode, the Mind Robber? On it was such a trip, but it was so much fun. Uh, I this is definitely one where I had fun beginning to end, and I guess the only thing that really bothers me is that like the 
constant cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah. It's like, do we make it back? Does the TARDIS come back together? Tune in next week to... Well, we can't. Same Doctor Time. Same, same Doctor Channel. Well, there's something to be said for the fun of a serial like that, where you are getting cliffhangers like once a week, and especially in an era where you don't have oh, no. hour-long oh, no. movies. It's just frustrating to us because we don't have the next episodes. That's the yeah, issue. When- it's not they shouldn't have done this way back then. No, it was incredibly intelligent to do it back then. You're doing it like Scheherazade. We get to the point and, well, you have to come back next week for the rest of the story. For us, because the episodes physically don't <laughs> exist in our reality anymore, <laughs> we would have to go to a pocket universe <laughs> in order to watch these episodes. Yes, we would. And even then, there's no guarantee that we wouldn't become fictional characters in the process. <laughs> so, if you should are fictional books. characters. In someone's mind, most likely. So, I we do have a Ruby team. <laughs> before, we, before we wrap up, I do want to play Megan's game. <laughs> oh uh, my god. And so, Megan, it's your game. I'm going to make you go first. Uh, am I allowed to pick any fictional characters? Well, you, you had the idea. What exactly are the... Uh, <laughs> are the parameters yeah. of this game? Um, you know what? Let's let's just go with yes. Any fictional characters will go with comics, TV, movies, any medium. Um, or since since they were fighting like the Minotaur and stuff like that, you can go with like the classics. Well, so like, like what's the legends. question? Is okay, it- if you were stuck in a pocket universe and you only had a couple fictional characters to help you confront the master, which characters okay. would you want on your side? Oh man. <laughs> Frank and Sadie Doyle. Ah, Frank and Sadie Doyle. I don't know. Uh, from They're, the Thrilling Adventure Hour. It's played it's by Paula Tompkins and Patrick Brewster. It's from Brewster. a podcast. They're, okay. They're, and now comic series yes. as well. Really good podcast. It's like every answer, I'm, like, I'm getting further away from it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Frank and Sadie Doyle. Um... I kind of want Carlos from Night Vale, but I'm not sure if actual science would work here or if that's just that's glorious. Okay. He, doesn't, yes. he doesn't have actual real science. He doesn't have actual, kind of like nobody has actual science in Night Vale. <laughs> really and um, artificial intelligence program Delta. That's a good one from Red versus Blue. You don't recognize anyone I've said. I do know you? what Red versus Blue is. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna. I am here to. This is probably the nerdiest you will ever see me. (laughs) I asked for Frank, Sadie, Carlos, and Delta. I want Optimus Prime. Yes. All right. I changed my mind. I want that. Volume down. <laughs> Simmer down. <laughs> no, I want Optimus Prime. Answer. I want Spider Man. I wouldn't mind Batman if I couldn't have Spider Man because Batman's a detective. But well, you want someone who too. can outthink them is the thing. Yeah, that Hence would be good. Those particular choices. Sherlock Holmes wouldn't be bad either for that mm, particular. He'd what be version? Able, it doesn't matter. Classic. <laughs> it is. It doesn't matter. Honestly, there are a gazillion different incarnations. So, just anyone that could deduce what was actually going on. True. So, I will I will cap it at three. Otherwise, we will be here all day. Yeah. With a list of Megan's favorite characters. And the doctor. You know what? Well, the doctor see, here's, would be a great answer. You stole part of my answer. Because, like, um, I was going to... My, my first choice um, was... I was tempted to go with Spider-Man. But I... But I ch- instead, I choose to go with Spider-Gwen. The recent yes! alternate 
universe uh, where Gwen Stacy is Spider Man uh, or gets Spider Spider Woman. Um, she's badass. She's oh, this is the greatest character right now. Um, and then I was gonna say like, is it cheating to say I would take the Doctor? Because if we no, are out, or outside of the fact that this is a Doctor Who panel, that's where my mind jumps immediately. But my third choice would have to be the Planet Express crew because no matter what <laughs> oh, circumstance no. <laughs> you're in, they're somehow gonna stumble into a solution. They're not <laughs> the smartest. They're not the best. But somehow they're gonna get it done. Well, Futurama mostly has negative continuity, so yeah. <laughs> there you no go. No matter what happens. Yeah, uh, but that's so that's our team. But guys, <laughs> what I want, what I want, and we have a, we have a long hiatus coming up because we have the Christmas uh, break after Buzz TV is going on a break, um, and so is all so are all the panels. Um, and I want to know from you. I want you to go onto iTunes, go onto YouTube and Twitter. Let us know. I want to know what your Team, you know, like dream team yes. against the master is. Tell us. I want to know what insane nerdy <laughs> team you are putting together. I don't think you can go more obscure than Katie's team because that's impressively obscure. <laughs> Not uh, impressively obscure. It's awesome. <laughs> um, but. And then I think we're going to have to have a battle royale or some, some kind. I have a giant robot on my team. I think prime. I win. I've got Spider Gwen. <laughs> True. I she is really, awesome. I don't really have anyone who's battle ready. I went for people who could actually figure it out and then talk their way out of the situation. <laughs> the best thing about her choice is Frank and Sadie would bring drinks. <laughs> That's true. We that would is... all just have drinks and watch uh, your guys' teams duke it out. But yeah, but but to go back to my point, yes. go on to iTunes, hit us with a review. For those of you who might not uh, be familiar with our little speeches on here, um, going on to iTunes and helping us out, hitting the subscribe button, hitting us with a rating and a review, takes just a a minute of your time, and it does an infinite amount of help for everyone here at After Buzz TV. It helps raise the collective water level of the entire network. It helps us keep the lights on, helps us find sponsors and get guests for all of our different shows. It's Again, we've said it before, it's a little tough on Classic Who. A lot of the people involved are dead. Um, <laughs> actually, Gallifrey One is rolling around in February. Yeah, and so but so be... we do have some potential to get guests that like... I'm working on it. Yeah, we're working on it, but your reviews absolutely help because they help raise the profile of the show and the network. So it really does make a difference. It makes a big... It, it really does help us out. So please, take a minute of your time. Go on to iTunes and hit us with a review. And I think that's going to do it for us uh, here at AfterBuzz TV on the Doctor Who Classics. Um, next time when we come back, I want to review... We're going to be going to the War Games. The last Troughton story. Uh, we're going to be doing just the first five parts. This is assuming that I am able to track it down. Yeah. Because for some reason, the only available copies of a Region 1 DVD... Because it's not available on Hulu or Netflix... And Region 1 DVDs cost $350 right now. And I'm sorry, guys. I love you, but whoa. Yeah, that's a But so assuming that we can find a copy and like get it on. If not, we'll be tweeting about it, and we'll try to put that, put out word of what we are going to do. But if not, we will be doing Patrick Troughton's last story, the first five episodes, The War Games. And we'll be doing that in two parts. Um, just because it's ten episodes long, and we come back on January seventh. Uh, I believe it? so. Yes, January seventh. This Tuesday, the yeah, first Wednesday of the new year. because well, next week is uh, obviously Christmas, Christmas Eve. So and yes, but, but the Doctor Who podcast will also return with the Modern Who Christmas special, um, starring Nick Frost as Santa Claus. Yay, <laughs> I'm, Santa. I'm so excited. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, and we will absolutely be back. Uh, Matt Lieberman will return with a fantastic panel, uh, yet to be determined, uh, of all of your favorite Who people. Um, but so tune in for that. Um, until then, Megan Salinas, where can people keep up with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Menguin. That's T A G M E N G U I N. I'm also on a bunch of shows here at AfterBuzz, including the upcoming Agent Carter and Ascension later tonight. I'm Katie Cullen. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and now Instagram at Kiaxe. That's K-I-A-X-E-T. I'm also on Arrow, which comes back on the 21st. Long hiatus. Uh, and I'm Zach Wilson. You catch me on Twitter at that Zach Wilson. T-H-A-T-Z-A-C-H-W-I-L-S-O-N. And also here at AfterBuzz, a ton of new shows coming up in the new year. We've got uh, Helix is coming back. Uh, we've got uh, Agent Carter with Megan Salinas. We've got Better Call Saul coming up in February. The Doctor Who Christmas special. I'll be there for that. Um, so, guys, I'm Zach Wilson. Thanks for geeking out with us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.